Before we jump in, just a shameless plug, Real Chills Podcast is looking for new, true, scary stories. And we want to hear from you. Do you have something paranormal that you need to share that happened to you or someone you know? Please reach out at realchillspodcast at gmail.com. Yes, please send us your stories. We've been loving them and we want more. Yeah, we want more, obviously, always. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, Alyssa, I loved these guests. Uh, We had, I said guests, we had two, their step siblings here to talk about some super wild family tales. Our first guest was Amy Beth Wright. Uh, She and her husband write about parks and public lands at parksandpoints.com and have a super exciting forthcoming project. So definitely follow their website and subscribe. You do not want to miss it. Yeah. And Jonathan Greenstein, friend of the Wasted Robot Network, is a semi-professional game show contestant. You can check him out on many game shows, but you can also hear about him on an episode of The Rank Bank hosted by Dan Getz and Dave Primiano. Yeah. There's so many more plugs that they share at the end of the episode, but we just want to get into it. Yeah, Um, let's do it. (laughs) Let's just get in. You're listening to Real Chills. With Meg Getz. Alyssa Truskowski. Hey everyone, welcome to Real Chills. We have a super exciting episode for you today. We actually have two guests, first time ever. (laughs) Our guests are Jonathan Greenstein and Amy Beth Wright. Hi, how are you? Well, how are you? Good. I'm excited. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. So we like to usually start with a question and it's, where do you, where do you both stand on the paranormal? I think I haven't ruled anything out. Mm -hmm. Fair. Um, How about you, Jonathan? I think that's a really good response. Well said. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, (laughs) I, uh, I, uh, I don't think I've experienced much, much personally, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, when I hear other people's stories, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to their experiences. Nice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'm definitely way more like in the camp of I'll believe most anything. And then Alyssa is more like, she looks through it with a fine tooth comb. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. It's not that I'm not inclined to believe people have these experiences. I just have a lot of questions, but yes. also I think I don't know if you all feel this way. I feel like there's different experiences between like ghosts, aliens, cryptids. Like, so my range of skepticism can also vary based on the topic. Mm -hmm. Um, But today's topic, I want to believe. So yes. Yeah. And with that, let's get into it. Let's hear the stories. Okay. So when we were growing up, so Arnie was my stepfather and Jonathan's father, and he was in the Air Force um, during the Korean War from 1951 to 1954. And he was stationed in some really extreme places. He, when he was in Roswell, New Mexico, it was um, shortly after there was an alleged spaceship crash, um, which was, which was maybe 
maybe in 1947, if it happened. And a lot of things were closed or roped off or, you know, the army had commandeered a lot of areas and he would once a month drive a few of his fellow airmen to Juarez, Mexico for R&R. And um, on the way, they would stop in this small town called Oro Grande, New Mexico, halfway to Juarez. And one of the first stories that he remembered was that he was a smoker at the time. And so they would go to this diner and have this chili, this like legendary green chili that was like the best chili he'd ever had. And um, he would, he at one on one afternoon went out to retrieve his cigarettes from the car. And it was, you know, very desolate. Like he always set up Roswell in this really incredible scenic way that like El Paso was 200 miles, Clovis was 100 miles, Santa Fe was 200 miles. You were really sort of like in the middle of like a desert wilderness. And then, you know, Oro Grande was, I'm sure, even more so had that barren feeling. And then um, that he was outside getting his cigarettes from his car, didn't see anything around and um, saw this very bright light that sort of seemed to be ascending and that there was this major dust storm that followed. And he assumed it was a helicopter, but the light seemed to ascend with the movement of the dust and it became very, very quiet. And one of the funny things that he sort of would add on about the story was that it would feel, it felt like a very quick amount of time, but it was actually a half an hour that this took place. What? (laughs) He described it as a strange looking craft. Um, And he called his two friends out and that the speed of this ascending was really quick, but it was this really slow feeling of time at the same time. Hmm. Uh, Amy, the the two friends, did they see the craft as well? Because I did not, I, I didn't remember that part of the story. I believe we ran to get them, you know, and mm. um, I think they watched that part with him. Yes. Ooh, I have chills already. I'm excited. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> so uh, cool. The another one of the stories, the 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 accounts that he used to tell was he and some friends were at a drive-in movie theater, and he had a convertible uh, at the time, and they had the top down, and he saw like a triangular formation of these red lights mm, that wow. stopped in midair. What? And, uh, I think they were by Walker Air Force Base. So there was an Air Force Base nearby, but you know, he always used to say like airplanes don't stop in midair. And mm-hmm. uh, he and his friends looked up and, and as soon as they saw them, they, they moved away very, very quickly. Uh, so, you know, and you know, there was a little bit of, did you see that? What was, what was that? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah wow 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 that one they definitely both saw because it was his friend joe gordon i remember who was outside with him and that they were like did you see that yeah i saw that then after that they reported the incidents to the air force mm. um the third incident that occurred but there had been some sign in the squadron room that said if you've seen any strange objects or questionable lights you have to report it to the first sergeant um And so they basically described it in the same way that we are describing it now. And I guess that they were interviewed by a colonel who came in from Washington, D.C. And um, Arnie asked, is there really something going on? Is there something to be concerned about? And the colonel said, I'm asking the questions. (laughs) (laughs) Classic. (laughs) A funny part of the story. And then he said... um, you know, don't discuss it with anybody. And then they changed his clearance, um, which was already restricted because his father, my Arnie's father, was a um, had originally been born in Russia on the Lithuania 
Lithuanian-Ukrainian border um, was already restricted, um, but then it was was further restricted. Um, Rude. <laughs> Well, I, I, um, I think actually the way that it worked was like he, he could only go to a certain point because of where his father was. Oh, right, um, right. He right. got a letter mm-hmm. that he was then upgraded to the next, which he normally would not have been able to because his father wasn't a natural born citizen. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So he was able to go further in the ranks. Yeah, like, I guess he figured in the clearance. Yeah, he figured. I think he figured he was in trouble because that the 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 brass. From you know, DC said to him, uh, you know, I'll uh, you know I'll ask the questions, <laughs> and it, actually he, I guess he wasn't. He got a little more clearance because of I guess I don't I don't know why, but I always thought that was so so interesting. Nice. Just, just checked my little notes for the first incident, and yes, his two buddies came out and watched with him. Yeah. Nice, nice. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There was one other very trippy thing that happened, which is to me like the extreme of the extremes. Was that <laughs> he had befriended this person where he got gas. His name was Herman, and he and the he said he used to get gas at this gas station on Second Street. It was the only place that that he would go for gas because he would do these road trips with his friend, and so he became friendly with the person that owned the gas station. And he told him, <laughs> or I guess he discussed it before maybe he made his report. And Herman said, "Come on in, I want to show you something." And he, Herman, had been in Roswell, you know, in 1947 when this this alleged spaceship had crashed, and so he usually kept locked and he kept he pulls out a piece of metal that was around three by five inches that looked like aluminum foil um and he said to um arnie you know wrinkle this piece of aluminum foil up and and if you you know arnie would always say well if you did that with real aluminum foil you would never be able to straighten it again mm-hmm. but um i guess that they wrinkled up this piece of metal really tightly and then they were able to straighten it out again perfectly as if it had never been rumpled and then um they he took out another piece of metal that was like 90 degrees at a 90 degree angle and it was like five inches and there were these like markings and symbols on it and they tried to um affect it like with a blowtorch or an acetylene torch and it wouldn't melt and he would always say it was like some sort of metal from out of this world Whoa. <laughs> and then he said um Herman wanted a souvenir I guess. So, he, yeah. so he didn't turn it into anybody I literally want to scream as loud as possible throw my headphones off and like run in a victory <laughs> like soccer circle she in my believes house. yeah I'm so excited <laughs> oh my god this so is amazing cool. that is so cool Wow. I have so many questions. Same. I'm screaming inside internally. These are amazing. These are stories we heard, I don't know how many times. <laughs> <laughs> Multitudes. Like we we heard the stories uh, yeah. for sure uh, multiple times. And it felt like we really wanted to keep remembering them. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever experience like Arnie like telling the story like a t- like a what is it, a fish tale where the fish is eventually like 20 feet long or was he pretty consistent over telling the story he's um he was prone to that kind of thing like he (laughs) would certainly there was one time he told me that he started telling me about a mortar and pestle that and then he told me that that it had belonged to chopin (laughs) (laughs) this was this was recently before his passing 
Mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. somebody in the family was a housekeeper for Chopin and that he gifted them the mortar and pestle. And he kept going with the story and adding details until it was a, <laughs> until it was eventually I was like somebody invented the bagel and she was really beautiful. Her name was Bagelinski and he named the bagel. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. This is this is all not um not true. Like and that was so disappointing because <laughs> I really wanted the mortar and pestle to be from <laughs> As far as these these Air Force stories, they were very consistent. There was I don't remember a lot of detail being being added. Um, they were they were they were pretty consistent uh, as far as um, you know the things he said were they didn't get exa- you know they didn't get exaggerated. That was the way it was with him. Was that you didn't know if you were in the middle of a story or a joke for a lot of the time like of the way through a story you'd be like oh that was punchline and then <laughs> but this was always the same that's true it was very consistent the way it was told yeah when he told jokes he liked to told them tell them as if as if they happened to him my uncle mm-hmm. his brother does the does the same thing um but this was this was pretty consistent and uh and yeah it was just it was it was always really really cool because you know when you see things on tv you think about you know you know my, my father you know when we talk about the context and things like that i tell people that 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 my dad was in the air force for four years but he really like got it all in yeah like, <laughs> like, he was stationed, like he was stationed in barrow alaska he was stationed in roswell these you know these these crazy extremes and i think one of the important things is whether you believe him or not he's part of American history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's either he saw something that actually happened or so many people reported something that, you know, it's a thing there's shows on it. And yeah. So it's, you know, he's part of American history either way, which I just always, it always just blew my mind. It's, it was so special. Yeah. I so feel cool. like too, I mean, I can't not making assumptions about people who are in the military, but I, I feel like there's kind of a sense of like, you don't just make stuff up about your military time, right? Like that's not like a thing as much as we would like expect it to be. So, and even just the fact that he was in Barrow, Alaska in the fifties is pretty wild. Like that's impressive. Oh, that's a whole like podcast too. (laughs) (laughs) There was a guy, they would ship them beer and they had to drink all the beer because if they didn't ship the beer, if they didn't, if they didn't get enough, if they didn't, if they didn't finish the beer, they were afraid that they wouldn't ship them anymore. You know, like Mm -hmm. you wanted to show that you were using it. They built a (laughs) beer can at a a wall out of beer cans and eventually. (laughs) There was a, there was a Mormon guy named McChesney who wigged out and uh, they, they caught him walking home. Like they were doing weather relay. That's what my father did. Mm. So yeah, so dad did weather re- relay and you know, has anybody heard from McChesney? You know? So they go out in the weasel, this big vehicle trying to find McChesney and he's walking home to Salt Lake City with a Hershey bar and a bar. <laughs> yeah my dad said he was right on course too i mean he was 1500 miles away of course but yeah he was like pointed right in the right direction he's like look (laughs) it's south like i know it's south (laughs) get the the, the weasel the chesney we'll we'll take you home Um, oh, well, he, he would tell us the story about, you know, Wiley Post um, or Will Rogers, who passed away because of his, his helicopter crashed and how Will Rogers and Wiley Post were on this like, you know, mission trying to get um, 
to get from point A to point B, and they they refused to stop for gas and to ask for help. And so he would always tell the story of how maybe it could have been different um, if they had just like calculated differently or been willing to stop and ask for um, like the local population to help them with gas. Like they just kind of, um, he, that was one thing that was always sort of haunting about that time. Yeah. And then the idea that you had to leave any vehicle running or it would freeze or the battery would freeze or and you would be stuck. Yeah. And you weren't allowed to, um, you weren't allowed to, uh, he used to use the term fraternize. You weren't allowed to fraternize with the natives because yeah. of like communicable diseases that, you know, maybe they didn't have immunity to disease, you know, cause it, things were so separate. Um, so they, they discouraged that. But then I guess for rest and relaxation, it was cool to just like go to Mexico. They're yeah, like, right. just cut loose, like <laughs> do whatever go. you want in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were only a handful of people in Point Barrow. I know that. I think it was uh, like 50 people on, in the, on the Air Force. And it was like a piece of ice in the Arctic. It was like this very small, confined area. But yeah. yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> he referred to it as as Point Barrow. So it wasn't even the town of Barrow. But oh. It, it was, further like a, a, a maybe five or ten miles further further north especially uh, if it was a weather station yeah or like a, a place to do weather measurements and stuff yeah there were two flights like his like uh like legendary uh, relay flights that he went on um you know flights they did all the time but like you know you probably wanted to do once while you were in the air force he mm -hmm. did the one over the north pole and then nice. another one called like they were called like Loon Duck or Goonie Bird or something like that. I think dog. Like, what was it? Loon, the loon Dog. dog. The, yeah, there was one over the Aleutians and he either was going to do it or he he did the one over the North Pole. I don't think he did the one over the, Alu the Aleutians though. But yeah, he had some adventures. That's amazing. From Roswell to Alaska really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we need to get you. A, you've seen too much. You need to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, go see where the center of the earth is. Like the entry point to the inner earth. Um, I feel like one of the things too, again, just saying like being able to fly over the North Pole in a time where I, I'm sure they had some video, but like well film but like where people didn't see the north pole we didn't have that kind of like technology to like photograph the earth and do all these things at the same way like we did at any other time so that's really awesome that he got to do that um do you mind if i ask what kinds of things did he get up to or did he was he interested in like throughout his life after he left the air force antique cars nice <laughs> technology always into tech stuff had the first VCR, we had the first Walkman, we had the first, you know, I always, at his funeral, when I, when I eulogized him, I, I said, you know, when I was five, he said eight simple words that changed my life forever. He said it was, it's called a Nintendo and we're getting one. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's called a Nintendo. That's so awesome. It's called a Nintendo and we're getting it. I've never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> But um, like him and my mom got married when I was four or three, or they, they became involved. And, and so um, th there was it's like this parade of antique cars that he would like rehabilitate and then sell. And like we had, like he picked me up from kindergarten once in a 1927 Buick, which essentially whoa. looked like a stagecoach on wheels. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> he was a printer. He set, um, he worked with like print type and then he worked with computers eventually. So 
you know, I mean, and he had me when he was 53. He was like still working with computers. It eventually got to a point, you know, like everybody where you sort of like the technology just kind of eclipses you, but it took a while for him. And he still mm. tried mostly um, to, you know, to keep up. He told me or he told he told Amy Beth, you know, you should always have a flash drive on you. You never know when you're going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a man who needs to download government secrets. I'm really yes. into that. <laughs> <laughs> we're oh. all, I don't know if you mentioned this, but were all of his experiences in New Mexico, like, in, like where he saw like the UFOs and stuff, was that all New Mexico? Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like Alaska would be a prime place to see UFOs too. Because it's just so vast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Roswell was like, this story gets in your consciousness and you're like, I definitely saw UFO. Right. Um, but there was like significant protection from the army, from what I understood, like that they had protected several areas and there were like mm-hmm. restricted areas, and maybe that like heightens the mystique. Mm-hmm. Um, but but again, like those were things that he was sure happened. And what I love about UFOs is that they're unidentified. It doesn't necessarily mean they're extraterrestrial, right? Like that's the, that's the goal and the dream, but like even just the idea of like a government craft or like a satellite or something that they were messing with just to like, see what would happen. Like, I think that's so interesting Mm -hmm. is to be able to be like near that place because do you all, have you watched lots of um, documentaries, ancient aliens, any of that kind of stuff that talks about Roswell or walker air force base or anything like that a a little bit of it not too much for me same yeah i've gone through phases i mean i was a big like seasons one through four of ancient aliens where i was like this is my jam um (laughs) and so the places that like you cite like being at roswell of course and like walker air force base there's so many stories throughout the years of just government technology government secrets just different things that people have reported and so that's super you know, it, it definitely also adds legitimacy and like stories to the canon of like, and the mythology of like those places. I'm also obsessed with like the tech that his gas station attack, what was his name? Her- yeah. Herman. Herman. Yeah. Just had hiding in his gas station. <laughs> like, I, I'm like, I want to know where it is now. Like, is it yeah. just in someone's basement and they don't even know that they might have alien tech at their house? Is it the materials that Mark Hopper got for his- Hoppus? Hoppus, Mark Hoppus got for his To the Stars Academy. I don't know if you've heard that like bit of gossip, but the guy from Blink-182 helps fund a media company to explore space and find alien secrets. Mm -hmm. And supposedly he has like alien tech that he's like interacted with and stuff. So maybe it's Herman's. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I never, I mean, I never thought about where that could be now. I don't know. It's sort of like, I think of like, like, like sourdough. Like maybe it was like the starter for like the Tesla or something. And there's like, right. oh, that's what, yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. That's what they always say is that like the, the crazies. I listen to a bunch of podcasts and they're like convinced that the government has deals with like, extraterrestrials in some way where like they give us some of their lower end tech and we let them kind of just live here like without the regular population so they're like yeah we got wi-fi from aliens but like they live among us or something they keep stealing our cows yeah yeah 
I, I also feel like, um, the first thought that crossed my mind is like, what if it was the technology that went into slap bracelets? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, it like, yeah. Cause it just so like returns durable. to the shape. That was my first like Could thought be. when you're like, I wonder if that created the Tesla. I'm like, slap a bracelet. Definitely slap. I'm bracelets. a slap bracelet truther. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I also wrote down when I was like, just kind of making my own notes. I was like, I love the idea that he had a blow to, I mean, he's a handy guy with like fixing cars and stuff, but just like, yeah, come inside. I'm going to light this blowtorch. We're going to heat the secret metal. <laughs> we have a ton of gasoline around. We have fifties mm-hmm. gasoline. So it's definitely not <laughs> as contained as it is now. <laughs> I, I just love that. Blowtorches, right? Acetylene and another like regular is, are there two different <laughs> torches? Oh, I don't even know. I'm just yeah, thinking like, it's so risky. Like he's like, I'm going to smoke a cigarette at this gas station. We're going to let a blowtorch. I'm going to f- get some, I'm going to fill up my car while I'm here. Rapid progression of events. Yeah. <laughs> just like, it's just like a recipe. It's just amazing that like every gas station didn't explode is what I'm surprised at. Back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. I, um, I really like the other thing, not to like trivialize all of this, but I'm really curious to know about this chili recipe. It sounds delicious. (laughs) I've been, I was thinking about as soon as you said it, I was like, I'm going to have to try to find this later. (laughs) I didn't want to bring it up either. It sounds so, so good. Yeah. I love a green chili and I'm sure Mm -hmm. that the people in New Mexico do it right. Like there's no way that they weren't doing it amazingly. Well, I'll say, you know, the reason I even got these stories down, because I have them almost verbatim, like as if they were transcribed, is because, he, um, you know, my stepdad was so good at telling a story that like just a few words, like or grande, like wide barren desert, green chili that I've never had like anywhere else. And suddenly you're like in a movie or you're like mm-hmm. in this scene. Like he was so good at with just a few words, just bringing like a whole scene or moment into your mind. Yeah. So when I was in grad school, I was studying writing. I was like, can I interview you? Because you've you've really got something with how you do this. And I <laughs> started, actually, the first thing I ever published after grad school was about this. It was like wow. about talking to him about this stuff. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so cool. Do you mind if I ask where was it published or what did you end up doing with the piece? It was in a literary magazine um, called the Nashville Review from Vanderbilt. Um, nice. I can share with you if you want. If you yes, uh, yeah, if there's definitely. a link, we'd love to. I mean, I like to read it, but we definitely will also link it too. So, because I'm sure people love to check it out. Oh man, this was amazing. I I'm so tickled, and I'm we're gonna probably mention this as well. But like, what a great connection made by our friend Dave. Uh, yeah, shout out Dave Camiano because. <laughs> He was like, my friends, like their dad has like some Roswell stories. And we're like, we would love to talk to them. These stories were like awesome. And I don't know, what a nice way to also remember your dad and your stepfather. Like what a cool, like what a cool life. He knew so much about Roswell too, because he would be like, we went to a drive-in, the Jingle Bob or the Bala Jack. And like, like he, <laughs> he would say, you know, there was two, there was a, yeah, that one and this one. Yeah. And he just remembered, like, it was as if it was yesterday, you know, or as if it were, you know, the name of the theater, the name of the diner. Well, I could probably find the name of the diner for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's a dream location to go check out. Like, not only because it's like, oh, it'll be fun to hike up and get like a picture with a sign that says stay out of Roswell, but the landscapes out there are so beautiful. 
definitely on my like wish travel list. It's so cool. He had any type of security clearance down there too, because I feel like most people that go down there don't get to even like get a chance to, to like be able to discern if it's actually military versus something that's like a real UFO. Like that's so much harder as a civilian. So it's just such a cool, cooler story coming from someone who was actually like in the military at that time. The big thing about the Roswell incident in 47 is like, well, there it's a weather balloon. I'm sure they also, my imagination is like, they gave your dad slash stepdad extra clearance so that when they needed to tap in to be like, oh yeah, it's also a weather balloon. Like he'd be ready to go. <laughs> I just love that so much. This is great. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having us. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, no, this was awesome. I'm going to have to, Thank Dave. Who knew being friends with him would pan out? <laughs> yeah, he likes to say I'm his longest tenured friend or second longest tenured. <laughs> Your tenure track. <laughs> yeah. He gives me one hug a year. That's why he's like, you get one hug. Yeah. I'm like, Dave. all right. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> But I appreciate it's, it's nice it. how like Roswell is like you said mythology like there's American mythology about Roswell it's like the place where all these unanswered questions and possibilities happened and and I feel like that's what we experienced in like hearing these stories and and sort of being like well you know now I look at them and I'm like I don't know is that like the power of imagination or that you are around it's a, you know you're around someplace and you just really want to feel like you're part of that experience or is it like you know, you're tapping into something that's happening and just really awake and aware to what's happening around you. Yeah. It's so much more legit. Cause like, so I, on the other, my, I grew up with my dad telling me ghost stories my whole life. So like, it's, it's kind of the same thing where it's like those, those may or may not be true, but it definitely instilled like what you said, like that curiosity of like mm -hmm. not shutting it down right away mm -hmm. when things happen. And he did, I mean, he was a little bit in, in a way that he was a little bit, um, you know, I, I don't know how believing he was of like other types of stories, mm -hmm. uh, but he certainly believed, you know, believed that this happened to him. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked at a, a place once where, you know, the, one of my managers talked about how he saw a ghost and he said, I never really believed in paranormal things. He said, but I, I, I know what I saw. And I sort of think it was, it was that way for my dad too. Like mm -hmm. if, if you told yeah. him, you know, you, you know, he would say, well, you know, but <laughs> very short with like, I guess like we all are, you know, like when it happens to us, you know, we're, we're sure of what, what we see. Yeah, for sure. He, um, when he enlisted in the air force, uh, he was always an adventurer when he was a kid, they were driving. I think they were driving to, he and his, he and his, his best friend tried to drive to, I think it was two guys, uh, tried to drive down, uh, drive down as far as they could on oh, yeah. the, uh, the Pan American highway. Um, and when they were on their way back, they saw in a newspaper that the Korean war start started. And uh, he said, this isn't good. So mm -hmm. um, my father uh, enlisted in the air force, um, mm -hmm. dad enlisted in the air force specifically because he sort of didn't see himself like in a combat situation. So he figured that if he enlisted in the air force, he would have more control over, his own fate as opposed to being drafted. Yeah. Wow. I think he thought he would also maybe learn something in the air force that he would do later. Like, cause he was, he was like, uh, what, 18 or 21, not sure, but he was definitely thinking like I could have 
a, um, an experience that will inform the work I do later. And that's, you know, there's a lot to that too. I think that, yeah, part of, you know, to what, to what Amy said is, you know, when you go into something, looking at it as an adventure, right. Mm-hmm. You're going to have an adventure. Yeah. And he, he was definitely adventuring at that time. And yeah. he really, really enjoyed his time in the air, in the air force. I think he, he sort of, uh, I think he had the, the chance to re up and stay for 20 years. And he had said that, you know, maybe if he could do it again, he would have, yeah, that was a, mm-hmm. uh, that he would have stayed. Like go, to go the career track with it. Yeah. He always questioned that if he should have done that. Um, but um, I was going to say, we, we went to this place in Kansas. Um, my husband and I, my husband's from Kansas and there, every staff member who works at this massive sort of homestead has convinced that it's, haunted like literally there's probably like 20 staff members there it's this crazy frontier homestead where this woman just built a home with her husband and would charge a toll to everyone who came like they would have to give her like a piece of silver from their wagon (laughs) oh yeah that's an industrious lady (laughs) and literally every staff member is is a hundred percent sure that there are ghosts do you know the name of this place? Do you remember it by chance? It's called the Ward Mead House. The Ward Mead House. That's so cool. Now I want to go there. I've never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much they want to talk about it because I thought that could be a really great story. And they were like, oh no, we will not be interviewed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, um, that's probably why no one knows about it. Like as someone that's big into like famous ghost places, I'm surprised I've never heard of this place. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. keeping that's it under wraps. You know, those are the like hidden gems. I feel like we learned recently on a different episode that it's a, you're not allowed to look for ghosts in Gettysburg. And I feel like that's the same energy as the Ward Mead house. Like you're just like, you can't come here looking for things. Like you might find things, but you're not allowed to be here just looking around. Oh, interesting. (laughs) The premise for that is they consider it like the police consider it relic hunting when you're mm-hmm. ghost hunting on people's properties. So anybody yeah. has the ability to say like, you can't be here. You're like relic mm-hmm. hunting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They enforce that in Gettysburg or they try to at least. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just an FYI, if you're ever in Gettysburg. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever felt emotions? Then do we have the podcast for you. Feel Feelings is a weekly podcast where comedians Danny Getz and George Bruderman sit down with some of the funniest, emotionally distraught people, i.e. comedians, they know, and talk feelings. Every Friday, hear very funny people reminisce on Ren and Stimpy, worry about the Wizard of Oz, and emote over their emo phase. Check out Feel Feelings with Danny and George, a show about feelings and the things that make you feel them. So this story came at the most perfect time because there was a UFO sighting on February 26th of this year, like last week in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. An American Airlines pilot spotted a long cylindrical object um, and he described it saying that it kind of looks like a cruise missile flying over top of his plane at like super fast speeds. Um, 
There are recordings of him reporting this. However, the FBI neither confirmed nor denied the claim of this being a UFO because it's still under investigation. So they almost kind of like tipped their hat. They're like, we can't talk about it because we're still looking into it ourselves. Wink, wink. Yeah, basically. That's all the comments. Um, so basically this story, which I think is incredible, made me wonder like, what is it about New Mexico that makes it so prime for UFO sightings? And I found a ton of responses to this question on the website Cora, which is, I guess, <laughs> new Yahoo answers. Listen. <laughs> The website. <laughs> what happened? Oh no, go ahead. It's not reputable. Is that what it is? I'll just oh, throw no, it off. <laughs> Dave used to have a bit. Uh, Wikipedia checked. Yahoo answered confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. That's yeah. two sources. You're basically doing scientific research. <laughs> I like looked into the here. It's in the notes, but I like I looked at the people's profiles who answered and I got a lot of answers from that as well. <laughs> I was like, OK, I see what's going on here. So, yeah, but I wanted to know because I feel like they're always seen in New Mexico. And the top response was from Gregory Duggle who stated, New Mexico has many UFO sightings because of the missile ranges, testing facilities, air bases, and laboratories. Most sightings are natural phenomenon or secret military craft undergoing testing. Also, in a generally warm area, more people are outside looking up at the sky as opposed to a freezing cold area where people are bundled up and inside where their heads are covered. <laughs> Very rational, but then he goes on to say, not only was Roswell real, but allegedly there were actually two different crashes in the area, not just one. After that incident, governments made everything related to UFOs more secret than the development of nuclear weapons. The military was afraid of the UFOs and knew there was no defense against a potential attack, so they hid the truth out of fear of making them look weak. So that's his opinion. He has answered 3.5 thousand questions on Cora, which makes him feel more reputable to me, but then his bio for his profile says truth seeker and finder so it's a toss-up <laughs> but I did think it was interesting that he started with like the rational like I never considered that maybe in warmer climates there's going to be more UFO sightings because people are just outside more um, and it does make sense that a lot of military bases and and things like that are in that area but I do think that it doesn't like it doesn't explain everything that people are seeing down there. I'm just checking really quickly and I'll report back in a minute. I'm just checking to see if New Mexico is in the 37th parallel. What? Mm, and it is. Is okay. this a freaking, what is that show that you're obsessed with? <laughs> is it related to Hellier? Is this a Hellier thing? I mean, Hellier takes a lot of information that's just out there and then relates it to Hellier is the thing. We'll talk about this in a second. Keep going, Meg. Okay, I'm almost done. I, I kept it short this time. So, okay, so that was his answer. It sounded really good. But another really fun answer on this forum was from Jonathan Miller, who said, I worked in Roswell in the early 90s. I remember driving on Route 285 one night and watching red lights go up and down, speed up, slow down, and disappear. I was sure it was a UFO. It turned out to be oncoming traffic coming over the ups and downs of the highway on a desert night with exceptional visibility. In addition, New Mexico has three Air Force bases, all of which have experimental aircraft. That being said, there is a vortex up by Taos, and it might be a passageway to alien dimensions. And those aliens just happen to like hovering over the ups and downs of a desert night with exceptional visibility. <laughs> that took such a turn. <laughs> they all do. 
do. It's so crazy because they know, they know they can't start there. So every <laughs> single one of these answers is like, here's, here's the science. And then here's what I actually wanted to say to you all along. <laughs> that was an M. Night Shyamalan level twist. It's like the opposite <laughs> of clickbait. It's so weird. You think you'd open up with like where there's a vortex and then you'd go to the I love it. I loved that every single answer was exactly like that. All to say, like, you're gonna be able to come up with explanations for this, but you're not gonna explain it all. There's something going on there. Oh, I just found something really interesting that um Los Alamos, the laboratory, there's a connection with Roswell allegedly. And I can't believe it. I just found this little article that I can share with you guys about the budget secretary slash um I'm sorry, group secretary budget director who um worked for Los Alamos for 30 years reported um seeing um, a series of triangular lights. Hang on. She was in a carpool going home. One of them pointed to a bright light in the sky, 45 degree ang angle above the horizon. The sun set behind the mountains. We looked at the light, which wasn't moving. All of a sudden it dropped 20 degrees and made a right angle turn to the east and was gone in the blink of an eye. Wow. I remarked, I got out of the Air Force three months ago and we didn't have anything like that. And then it's a whole, um, she was on the, she joined the staff of the Roswell UFO Museum. Oh, Whoa, cool. that's so cool. So she's, um, what's her, what's her job now? I don't know. I think she retired from the museum. I think that's, I just put the piece in the chat. I think that's why, um, she, uh, was interviewed for this maybe just mm -hmm. at a glance, but I've always heard there was a connection to the Los Alamos experiments and Roswell. There's a lot going, even if it's not aliens, there's stuff going on out in New Mexico that we have no knowledge of for sure. There's just too many things. Two things that I was thinking, like, I was wondering, like, when I think of UFOs, I think of New Mexico. Like, I mm -hmm. wonder what the second, like, the second most places in the world. Like, is there, an, is there, like, a place, maybe even a place that has more, or, like, a place where, like, there have been some sightings, but it's sort of like New Mexico Junior, where there's, like, not as many, but, like, it's also known for that. And then I was thinking, like, if there are UFOs, like, do they choose New Mexico or is there like a portal where like, <laughs> that's no, like, where like, that's, they, where, mm -hmm. that's where they could go. Mm -hmm. Our friend was on the podcast and then I'll let Alyssa actually say something that is worthwhile about UFOs, but our friend was on the podcast and he's from Long Island and he said all of his friends in Long Island has a UFO story which is crazy to think about because you don't hear about it. And he said he thinks that they go to places where people aren't like reputable enough to be believed. <laughs> that was his, he was joking, but that was his whole premise. He's like, of course they're going to go to Long Island. No one's going to believe these people. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, shout out Dan Vitrano. <laughs> yeah. What was the real thing you're going to say before I interrupted? I was also going to suggest Long Island might be the second most popular. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also interesting, right? Because like we have a really like US centric view of like mm -hmm. Roswell to us, like looms large. And I wonder if it's the same for people in other countries. For some reason, Japan sticks out in my mind, but I don't remember for sure. So it'd be interesting to see. And maybe that's something we could talk about in the future, like what other places are really well known. Like in my mind, I think of recent sightings from the Chicago airport because there's at least two yeah, different there's ones. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. Different years and things like that. So what I was going to say is, 
this is like a little bit bananas, but one of the theories is that because of all the mesas in like the Southwest that like the top of a mesa just opens <laughs> and then like a UFO flies out. And that like, when you use a drone and things, it's projecting a, an image of what you think the top of the mesa is supposed to look like. There's some wild theories, but Whoa. the reason I thought of um, to look up if New Mexico's on the 37th parallel, which is, the i think it's the northern part of new mexico is it's like one part of new mexico um the 37th parallel is 37 degrees above the equator and it's where a lot of sightings they call it the ufo highway it's where they there's a lot of sightings in those locations around the world and there's like some very big hypothetical jumps about maybe ufos are using something with the parallels or the curvature of the earth mm. to like move or propel themselves or like to not be seen or something so it's interesting but of course like it just ties into all the little like things that are interconnected with roswell stories wait the curvature of the earth is out there you think the world is round (laughs) (laughs) i mean we have established that i'm open to the idea that there's a different earth in the center of the earth that you can access through antarctica that theory is like so interesting, but like very bananas, but very science fiction fun. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, I'm really excited because I found a great quiz in a teen magazine. Just kidding. I wrote it. We're going to take, uh, <laughs> take a quiz together. Yeah. In a previous life, I would have loved to have a job where I could write teen magazine quizzes. Um, but they are toxic and gross. And I'm so excited that we're going to embark on this together. Let's do it. Let's do the quiz. Are you seeing yeah. my screen? Yeah, we can see it. <laughs> okay. I didn't make it look really pretty because I was going to read it. And then I was like, it'll be much better if you can see the words because I process things better visually. So sorry, it's not very decorative, but we are going to take the quiz. What alien are you? So the way this will work is I'll read the questions and for each round of questions, we'll just tell each other what our answer is and I'll keep track of everybody's scores. Okay. Sweet. So the first question, your best feature is A, your human good looks, B, your intellect, C, (laughs) your eyes, your terrible, terrible, empty eyes, (laughs) or D, your resilient nature. I'll go with D. Nice. Good one. What about you, John? (laughs) I'm going to go B. B. Nice. Intellect. Yeah, I'm going to go C. It's my empty, dark, (laughs) cold, barren eyes. One has to do those. (laughs) I'm also going to go with D, my resilient nature. Um, Nice. All right. Your love language is A, acts of service. B, quality time, like a lot of quality time. Like maybe you've always been there dating back to the seeds of mankind being planted (laughs) or at least long before the concept of you was co-opted by conspiracy theorists with awful racist agendas. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, C, your love language is words of affirmation and excessive medical attention or D, physical touch. Oh my gosh. A for me. (laughs) I would also go A. I love a good act of service. Now, is this, is when you say your love language, is this, is this how you show love or how you get love or both? 
Um, I think it's whatever your interpretation would be. So whatever your strongest inclination would be. I like to think of it as how you like to show love and care. Then acts of service. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have to go with C if I'm being honest. (laughs) (laughs) Affirmation and excessive medical attention. Especially in these times, right? Like, have you washed your hands? Are you drinking water? I think that's fair. I agree. I think I'm C too. And I feel like I'm already learning so much about myself. (laughs) (laughs) So this is good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Next question. Your interior design aesthetic is best described as A, science Viking from the future. B, desert chic, but without the Coachella vibes. C, pre-surgery operating room. Or D, a warm, humid landscape to hang out with your growing family. (laughs) Those are so great. I'll go with B, desert chic, but without the Coachella vibes. Nice. That's aspirational. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, My first inclination was B, especially in honor of our story tonight. Nice. Desert chic. I think I'm... I think I'm D, a warm, humid land landscape. <laughs> I just don't like saying it out loud, but I think that's I mean, what I'm going to go for. Like warm, humid landscape can be tropical, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I have um, 12 reptiles. So my growing yeah. family likes to live in a warm, humid landscape. That's, that's totally fair, true. for yeah. sure. Um, okay, we are going to do at least one more. And then we have a tiebreaker question if we need. Um, your favorite highly specific music genre is a swedish death metal b french power metal c and i learned about this today a category called porno core a subgenre of grindcore um so instead of like death you sing about sex is like the difference oh okay yeah i was kind of like what is this and then they're like yeah it's really just like like angry sex music instead of angry like killing music i guess (laughs) or d only that song that plays on the phone while you're on hold we all know (laughs) the one i'm talking about (laughs) do 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 yeah you know what's weird i didn't i thought it was gonna be the dun 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 because my sister uh she bought a ringtone back in 2000 and even to this day it plays that classic piano song she is getting her money's worth she really well that's not she had a different song i can't i think it was like brown eyed girl or something but when you stop paying for it they switch it to that weird they hold your ringtone hostage (laughs) Mm -hmm. anyway long story short i i guess i thought of a different song it was 2.99 a month or you'll never see your precious ringtone again (laughs) (laughs) you get this weird classical music till you die yeah um uh, I think I'm going to say that I'm Swedish death metal. These I are like reflective. The yeah, these are reflective of what alien are you? Like, it's very reflective. I'll go with C. I feel like that can transcend a few styles, maybe. <laughs> I love that for you. I'm very excited. <laughs> it's like the Cheesecake Factory, right? <laughs> 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 sex or whatever the music sounds like mm-hmm. like romance music even if it's metal <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go with b because i love uh, so i only know a little bit about french power metal because i accidentally stumbled upon it trying to look up a different band of a different name it's lovely to hear like uh 
it's like fantasy death metal it's fantasy like metal music where it's like i think they're fighting dragons but they're in france i think that's great so i'm gonna pick me <laughs> what about you jonathan um only the song that plays when you're on hold excellent um i think we have enough for everybody to um to go from here but let's just answer this last question just to see if it changes anything overall your highest want is a peace <laughs> b respect c knowledge or d unending domination across the universe wow this is a self-reckoning <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i also kind of feel like b and d are the same but maybe <laughs> not i'm torn to say. <laughs> I mean, you just local respect, I think, is the way you would like. Oh, then I'm D. <laughs> if I want respect, I want it, the universe. Nice. To feel it. I'll go with B. I'll just do my respect locally. B. <laughs> Excellent. Locally sourced. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, no. I was thinking B or C. It's just the knowledge that the knowledge that I want is like just trivia knowledge, which is sort of like anathema that's still okay if that's knowledge. like of the four if that's the one that you want i'm picking knowledge knowledge yeah knowledge excellent all right let's look at the answers thank you for playing this quiz um none of you are mostly a's so this doesn't qualify for anyone but we're going to read it anyway if you're mostly a's you're a Nordic alien, also known as a Pleiadian. Um, I don't know if you're all familiar with like the very common alien types. Um, so just for anyone out there listening, they look like tall Swedish people, but they're from outer space. Um, mm -hmm. You're tall, you're hot. You mostly want to do well for humankind. You move through time and space flawlessly and probably post great TikToks. That's <laughs> you. I've definitely a. seen a few on TikTok now that you say it, yeah. <laughs> suspect right yeah john you were b so mostly b's you're <laughs> you're you're a reptilian uh but fuck david ike because we're all better than that i don't know if you're familiar david ike has this like totally bananas theory about reptilian aliens but yes. before david ike the concept of reptilians as aliens in the uh mythology and the pantheon of extraterrestrials uh super respectable as like another alien race um Reptilians get a bad rap because some numbnuts got to be racist assholes. I personally own 12 lizards and there's no way I made this quiz about me. I, <laughs> I own 12 lizards and there's no way anything descendant or ascendant from them could be our overlords. That said, the reports of humanoid reptilians hanging out in the deserts and living in underground caverns like some hot weather Bigfoots is pretty great. Is, so. is, is, Ike, is that like the cue, like the like reptilian overlords, like that people are reptile people? He's the, yeah, he's the contributor wow. to that, that like are like the Clintons or reptilians and the fam the famous families are. And then people have taken that and then made it racist um, and anti-Semitic and gross. Like it was oh, gross oh, already. A little of that on it. Yeah, <laughs> always. So I like would love to see people take back like the mythology and like fun loving nature of just like some space lizards just being like ah, it's like earth is weird we're gonna live underground like i love that so that was b um but the thing about reptilians right is like they're mostly like they want dominance but they're really like they're like more uh like um natural and like 
into the landscapes, which I like about them. They're nature, they're outdoorsy people or hmm. aliens, I guess. Um, Meg and Amy, you were mostly C's. So you're great. Aliens. You're a classic and we're terrified. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> It's weird to be so short, slight, and fragile, and yet wield so much power. <laughs> it's kind of like being smart enough to count cards and gambling, only instead of winning money, you're seeking the flesh of humans and mammals. <laughs> uh, we do support STEM careers here at Real Chills, so you do you. I didn't it. know this was going to be a roast, Alyssa. I could, <laughs> I would have prepared. <laughs> wow. That's on point. Don't worry, I'm D. I'm space bacteria. It's oh. fine. <laughs> uh, I'm making ways into hearts and minds of everyone, slowly overtaking the mental and bodily autonomy of everything and everyone we've ever known and loved. So space bacteria. Wow. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for doing this very dumb quiz. I had a lot of fun making it. Um, I, and we all learned something about ourselves. I think that's what's most important here. <laughs> That was very fun. Yeah, I did yeah. learn a lot. <laughs> and anyone who wants to um, take this quiz online and play with your friends, you can do that. I'm setting up a little like a uh, Google form that you can do so you can answer the questions for yourselves. Um, nice. Well, we are at the part of the show where we talk about uh, plugs or things that we would recommend. So yeah, yeah we'd love to hear... Um, if you, anything that you, if you want people to follow you on social media, or if you just want to recommend anything, this is a space for you. Uh, well, so I'm a writer and, um, my husband and I are, we do co, um, co-edit this website called parksandpoints.com. It's all about like these wild natural landscapes, national parks, public lands. And, um, we're actually publishing a book of poetry in the spring. Um, oh going to be out at the end of March. The pre-sale period is March 29th. So it's a little early, but it's um, through Finishing Line Press. And I would love if people followed me either on Twitter or Instagram at Amy Beth Wright or at Amy B1021 on Instagram and parksandpoints.com. Nice. What is the book of poetry called? It's called Wayfinding. Nice. It's, wow. about, it's like about, you know, being in nature. It, it reads like you're on a trail and it moves through these different like ecosystems and landscapes, like the, the, the collection of poems in each chapter is like concentrated around these different ecosystems and topographies. I love and that. There's a lot of info about parks because we, people submitted for like state parks, local parks, national parks, like all sorts of public lands. And what a great time, right? As the weather's going to get warmer everywhere and people can go outside. Um, I think that's awesome. So people will have to check out your website and pre-order your book, or at least check out your Instagram. Thank you for having us and for the opportunity to share that too. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Jonathan, what about you? Uh, so the first thing I would like to recommend is episode five. I just looked it up. Episode 516 of this American life where uh, they talk about the hold music that was featured <laughs> in our <laughs> To find out the story behind the whole the uh the the hold music what's it called <laughs> it's like pattern a or something like that. yeah <laughs> yeah but he wrote it and, uh, it's the hold music so definitely that um i don't know uh auditions for game shows sort of my my passion so i auditioned for the 
the chase. Hopefully, I hope eventually I'll get on there. I was on Jeopardy a couple, uh, two years ago now. So, so I, I kind of try to parlay that into TV appearances where I can, where I can try to make a little bit of money. And along that line, my next big project in that trivia vein is I would love to get a crossword puzzle uh, written and published. So that's what I'm Whoa, I love awesome. that. Yeah, keep an eye out for that. Nice. Yeah. And mentioning it on here again keeps me honest. So I now I <laughs> yeah. put time in on it. Commits you to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love crosswords, but I'm terrible at them. But I feel like uh it's one of my life. I buy those like New York Time books of like the easy ones, and I just want to do a whole book one day. So mine mine would have, I always say mine would have to be a Monday through Thursday because I've never solved a Friday or oh, something. Oh okay. I can't write one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When you're like, when you're the game master, I feel like you have the upper hand on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice. Meg, where can everybody uh, check you out? Yes, I am a goofball. I'm not creating anything that crazy, but um, I have a TikTok now. <laughs> not to brag. It's okay. So on Instagram, on Twitter, at tick, on TikTok, my handle is the same. It's Meg Gets Money, spelled G-O-E-T-Z. And if you go to my TikTok right now, none of my videos are going great, but I posted one video of my boyfriend shaving his beard, and it has 12,000 views. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not salty, but I'm pretty salty. <laughs> so maybe one day my comedy content will be as entertaining as, as Dan shaving his beard. Dan shaving his joke beard. Can you please describe it? He, yeah. uh, Well, first of all, I gave him the idea, so I should get the credit. But he shaved it so it looks like a cattail, and uh, monkey tail. Nice. Yeah, monkey tail. Everyone keeps correcting me because I call it a cattail. I'm fine calling it either. But on TikTok, I'm like, or cattail. Why not both? And they're like, cause it's a monkey tail. (laughs) I'm like, all right. I didn't. What were his? I thought about that, but I, I I mean, I don't consider myself myself somebody who. like care like cares a ton about you know what the people in the store think about when they see me mm-hmm. what, what kind of reactions did he get i'm a little bit afraid of that one he That's didn't he didn't keep it very long it's funny because people who don't know him like strangers like even on tiktok like they love it they're obsessed with it but his like close friends and family are all like why <laughs> why did you like his grandma has facebook and i found out by her commenting on the post just like why and I was like, oh no, that's oh. it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, think, yeah. he waits to wear a face mask. So he gets, I, I feel like he needs to do it again when there's no face mask. When there's masks. no, yeah. He, I'm telling you, but strangers love it. It's, he's gotten rid of it now just because, like, with his job and stuff, he doesn't want, like, to get in trouble at work. But <laughs> it's mostly close people that don't like it. <laughs> I will tell you that, you know, from time to time I do sort of shave my beard into a mustache, you know, especially like the Movember thing. And I think I look ridiculous. And then I just go out in public and remember that no one really cares about me. (laughs) 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 And as our editor, we pay him to edit our podcast. His uh, he's part of the network that our show is on, um, Mm -hmm. like part owner but I still openly booed him online when he posted that picture. Most <laughs> of his friends did. Yeah. Not a lot of support. <laughs> um, 
I will say that you can follow me on Instagram and the things at Alyssa Truss if you want to see my lizards and houseplants uh, at Variegated Reticulated. And we have a TikTok also for Real Chills. We've been posting yes. a bunch of silly, silly things. Mm -hmm. So definitely please go follow that if you're listening to this. And uh, yeah, silly content. So Mm -hmm. This was so great for both of you to be here and your stories were wonderful. Thank you so much for spending Thank time you. with us. Thank you so much for having us. It's a yeah, real this treat. Was, this was awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, all right. Later, everybody. Real Chills is produced by Meg Katz and Alyssa Chaskowski. The show is edited by Dan Getz, theme music by Sam Williamson, and artwork by Buffy the Design Slayer. Subscribe where you get podcasts and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Real Chills Podcast. Slide into those DMs with your true scary stories. Real Chills Podcast is a member of the Wasted Robot Network. This has been a presentation of the Wasted Robot Network. For more information on this and other podcasts, visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Wasted Robot Records.